Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can definitely help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business owner or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits plan to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help there too. Check out the link in the show notes to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and your budget. Well, welcome back. 2023, here we are. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with the amazing co-host, Al McDonald. Al, 2023, I'm excited. We're doing a lot of interesting conversations. Today is no exception, but how's your week going? My week's going well. Year's off to a good start. It's an exciting time. Looking forward to what we can get accomplished this year, but also looking forward to our next guest. Me too. I talk about it all the time. We do these chemistry calls just to make sure there's a fit. And it's chatting with our guests a couple of weeks ago or before the new year, actually, just to book this. And we had such a great conversation, wanted to continue that conversation on the podcast. So joining us today is Alex Mears. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Robin. Hey, Al. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, great absolutely. So let me talk about you for a second, uh, Alex, so people know who you are. Alex is a leadership and organizational development strategist with over 13 years in management in HR leadership roles, ranging from nonprofit, private, and IPO companies. His passion is in helping organizations build cultures where people love what they do, know how to be successful, and strive for excellence. Having spent much of his career as an HR professional, Alex now serves as the Director of Employment Brand and Culture at Blue Ivy, building employment brands and talent strategies to help organizations uncover their greatest attribute. I love that. So, Alex, where I wanted to start with you, because we had a bit of this conversation when we first met, how do you end up where you are? Like, What sparked your interest in HR? How did you end up doing what you do? Well, I found my calling in HR specifically in employee experience because I found that it was just the best place for me to have an impact, specifically in helping leaders redefine the world of work. That's my arena where I like to play. And my personal mission after many years of trying to figure this out, I've kind of realized that what I really want to do with my career is help create people first cultures. I want to help create cultures where people come to work and they can say, wow, work has played such a positive role in my life. You know, it's not the only thing that I care about in my life because that's not good either, but it's been such a critical arena for me to discover what I'm good at, to develop my happiness, to build my character, go so far as to say it would deepen my humanity and my sense of purpose. I mean, that's the potential that we have to get and extract out of our work experiences. And I really do believe that any workplace, regardless of sector or size, has the potential to create this type of work environment. And that's because it really comes down to the people, the leaders, and the culture. 
the service and the product is secondary to that. I know we're going to get to it as we go through and, you know, we have this conversation, but I'm very excited because we're in a growth stage of our company. As we speak, where we onboarded another employee this week and you are speaking my language that as a leader of the organization or as one of the leaders of the organization, that is the world that I want to create. I want people to come to work and I know it's not everything. The work is not everything for them. They've got a life outside of this but I want that experience to be as positive and fulfilling as possible. So I'm hoping by the end of this conversation, we have some clues and maybe our audience has some clues about how yeah, we can absolutely. do that. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to share any tidbits that I've learned along my journey. And I will say also that I've had the opportunity to work on the other side as a people leader myself. I'm not really a career HR person. It, it's something I fell into later in my career. But it, I'm really grateful that I had an opportunity to lead as a manager, as a senior leader, overseeing nationwide teams outside of the HR function to understand the challenges that you might face. And that has given me such an important perspective for how I approach HR. And I've done almost every HR function you can think of, talent management, HRBP work, learning and development. But that experience, being a leader myself, has been the most valuable thing that I've gained. And as I now kind of evolve my own career path into employment branding and culture work, the agency I work at is called Blue Ivy. And we get a chance to work with incredible North American brands that are trying to create high-performing, people-centered, magnetic cultures. So I'm just so grateful that I get a chance to be here and to share whatever I can from the experiences I've gained, but also the experiences that I've gained through many, many leaders and organizations that I've had a chance to work with. Alex, I want to jump into a different question, but I want to go back and just explore your first answer a little bit. How did we get here? Because you know, you said people first. That didn't used to be the way. I quite honestly, it was, and in many cases, probably still is, profits first. So how did we get to so many companies emphasizing people first? That is a great question. And I think a lot of, well, there's still a lot of leaders that are not yet there <laughs> in understanding the importance and value of creating people first culture, not just for the sake of the individual's happiness and engagement, but for the impacts that it has on the bottom line. So I think it's been an evolution. I would say that in particular, there's been a lot of research that has come out that has emphasized the impact of employee engagement and how much that can impact organizational culture and organizational output, the results you can see in what happens when there's lower attrition, when there's higher engagement, how that has impacts on customer service, how that has impacts on driving sales. And so given that there's now tangible evidence proving that when you care about your culture, you care about your people, there's a real practical payoff. And leaders who are kind of recognizing that are starting to pay more attention and figure out, okay, how do we come at our culture from that perspective, as opposed to a very long-standing tradition that's focused back on since the industrial age, that's 
purely focused on on performance and purely focused on results, which are also still important. And in fact, there's probably a lot of organizations that have swayed too far on the opposite and (laughs) forgotten some of those basics of performance management. But I think that we're finally starting to evolve as a culture, as a society, to see the value that comes from people-focused cultures and the impacts that it has on business outcomes. And that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you laid that out a little bit. So I want to jump into the question I was going to ask, and we've heard all the the terms, right? Obviously, we know what happens during COVID, and there's the war for talent, and there's quiet quitting. We've heard all those terms, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think is the biggest issue today that's facing organizations? Well, I would say that I'm probably biased, (laughs) but I really do see this in the work that we do with organizations and in the research that I'm coming across and even just through the experiences that I'm hearing from leaders and employees that there is a serious crisis in corporate culture and many leaders are not really paying attention to it right now in this instance because of the economic situation that we're in. And I think that there's three really big macro trends, at least three. I'm not even going to include the advancement of AI technologies, but most of the dialogue right now is happening around the economic impacts on business. Not too many leaders are talking about the opportunities and the changes that are required in your organizational culture. So I think that there's this organizational cultural crisis. And those three trends, macro trends I mentioned, number one is a labor shortage. And I know there's fears of the recession, headlines talking about layoffs, but it's also important to put that into perspective. Most of the layoffs are happening in sectors like technology. When you look at the North American economy as a whole, the labor data shows that job openings are still very high. In fact, they're saying that companies need to prepare for a growing labor shortage, especially in healthcare, retail, and hospitality. So in the coming years, companies are going to need to stay competitive to attract and retain talent. And we know that, of course, you can offer higher wages and salary, which may get talent in the door. But if your culture isn't solid, then people just won't stay. That's the first trend. The second trend is to welcome Generation Z. (laughs) They have arrived in the workforce in a big way. And when you look around your team, there's probably a good chance that about 20% of them are from Generation Z. And they're going to represent one third of the workforce by 2030. So they have been shaped by a very different global context than prior generations. And what matters to this generation is different. And we see that already playing out in terms of their employee and consumer behaviors. So for instance, we're seeing brands that are now evaluated not only for their products and their services, but actually for their social impact, for how they treat their employees. And they're also not afraid to share that publicly on the platforms that they have access to. So Twitter and Amazon are really great examples of seeing that play out right now. The third macro trend I think is happening that's impacting company culture is the long-term impacts of the pandemic. And I know we don't want to talk about the pandemic anymore. We want to put it behind us. But it is important, I think, to understand the implications on the employee experience, not just how we're adjusting today, but what are the implications in the future? And some of the most obvious transitions for leaders to figure out as of today has been remote work and well-being. 
but there are some other really important things impacting the culture that not a lot of companies have figured out yet. One thing, for instance, is how difficult it is to maintain and protect your culture when you're in a remote environment. We transitioned into this digital work experience and employers have put a huge focus on tools and technology to get back to productivity. And there's tools and technology for listening to employees and surveys to understand what's happening. But there is a gap when it comes to delivering that experience and specifically things like retraining managers or adapting your communications. And then the second impact of the pandemic is that employees can now work from anywhere. And that means that talent have a way bigger pool of employers to choose from. They have so many more employment opportunities they're no longer limited to geographic location. And so attracting and retaining talent, it's going to be really competitive for employers. And then the last thing, which I think is probably the most important impact of the pandemic, is the psychological impact on people. During the last three years, I can definitely relate to this. I'm sure you can probably relate to this. Everyone has reassessed what's important to them. And many people have decided to give less of their energy to work and focus on other aspects of their life. As you mentioned, quiet quitting was like a great synopsis of that phenomenon. And this, it's not necessarily a bad thing, the whole quiet quitting thing. We could have this whole podcast just focus on that. But I will say it's a real problem for employers because the last thing you want is for your team to be unmotivated, doing the bare minimum, and just showing up to collect a paycheck. So if leaders are not taking the time right now to reevaluate what their people value and how quickly that's changing, then they're going to start to lose their top performers. And now is such a critical opportunity to redefine that employment experience and be very deliberate about how you want to create value for people. So for all those reasons, I think companies right now need to be focused on culture and the ones that do will be able to snatch up the best talent. Alex, there's so much there that we could unpack. And I think you're right. I think we're going to have to do part two of this podcast. We'll do another episode and just expand (laughs) on that further. But one of the things I was hoping to ask you, and I'm looking at this from two perspectives. I'm looking at from a business leader myself, but I'm also looking for my clients and trying to tease out from you those clues because But sounds like to me, and we lived through it as well. I mean, there was no playbook for COVID, right? And then people going remote and not wanting to come back. And maybe some people wanted to do hybrid. What are some of the things that people can do to build that strong culture? Because I look at my own company and one of the things that we instituted was the daily huddle, right? And we do it just like this. We're on Zoom recording this podcast. And I found that has been very beneficial in terms of bringing people together, but it's not the same as it was when we were all in the office and there was a buzz. And I don't think we're ever going to get back to that. I mean, I was so happy on Tuesday when we were onboarding a new employee and everybody just seemed to come in on Tuesday and it was great and got to have coffee with my business partners. And there was that buzz, but that's not always feasible or possible in the new world. So what are some of the things that maybe business leaders should be doing to create that corporate culture and create that sense of you. We started talking about it in the beginning, creating this environment where people want to come to work and they feel good about where they are and we're not losing our top performers to someone else or a competitor. Right. 
Robin, I know this is a trap. You want me to give you the silver bullet answers on what to do. Exactly. <laughs> and I might not even release the episode. I'll just use it for our company. <laughs> well, what you do has to be so specific and customized to your culture and what you're trying to achieve in your culture. So I, I can't give you very specific tangibles, but what I will say is that what I've learned and then what I think we all know just intuitively is that creating high performing cultures always comes down to the people leaders. They have the most influence and impact on your culture and how effectively those leaders are able to understand the needs of their people, what they need to thrive. And there is no one size fits all. So I can't give you very specific tactics because I can't guarantee it will work for you because culture is inherently a team by team phenomenon, which makes it very heavily determined by that team leader. That's why they play such a critical role. So a common issue for organizations that I work with is creating a consistent, united organization rather than a fractured one where you have leaders leading their teams in different ways. Some of them are really good. Some of them are not so good. And you may have teams that are high performing, but they're disjointed or ineffective when it comes to cohesively working with other teams or achieving the organization's larger goals. So I think the real question is, how do we identify the elements of your DNA that are unique to you and your company and enable the people managers to act in a way that unites everyone in the company around that? And a lot of leaders will look to their corporate values to answer that. But oftentimes those values are very conceptual. They're kind of aspirational because they're not based necessarily in reality or their organization's changed so much since they created those values. It's not based on actual research. So rather than focusing on core values, I actually think it's really important to take it one step further and to develop what we call an employee value proposition, which is a way more concrete and actionable foundation for your culture. Okay. You, you got me now. Okay. Now I want to hear more because what is that? <laughs> okay, good. I've hooked you in. What is an employee value proposition? So I, I like to think about it as three components. The first, well, let me make it rhyme for you. It's learn, return, and discern. So the learn part is to learn what your employees value most about working at your company. That requires a process of listening. And that happens through interviews and surveys and so on and so forth. You kind of understand what resonates most for them. The return part is what do you as an employer return back to them as a promise, as your commitment from the employer to the employee? What do you deliver on every single day to your employees? That's the return part. And discern is what differentiates you as an organization from others in your sector. And so the end product of an EVP is a set of principles, which is essentially the basis of your employment brand. And it defines how you're perceived internally and externally. But the key is really not just developing the EVP, but how do you take those principles and make them come to life? That's the really difficult part. And that's what many leaders struggle to do. And the quickest way to disengage people is if you have misalignment between your employment brand and the actual experience right? It's that hypocrisy between here's what the company's saying they are versus how people are actually treated. If that's happening in your organization, people are going to leave really quickly. 
So that all makes sense. And I think you've hit on some really key things there. Do you have an example of somewhere where you've seen that they've created an EVP and everything matches up? They've created an excellent culture. Their employees are living and seeing and breathing what it is the value proposition delivers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been doing this work with many companies across North America. I'll pick out a couple of examples that we've worked with. I can't give their names as much as I'd like to brag about the work we've done with them. And that's not even us, it's it's them driving it. But there's one client who we've worked with, a really well-known Canadian beverage distributor. I won't say their name, but I'm quite certain you've probably purchased one of their delicious beverages recently. And they underwent this process of redefining their employee value proposition. And after they did that, they then designed all of their employee programs, their whole strategy around it. And because they went about developing their EVP in a way that was collaborative, democratic, based on research internally and externally, it really resonated with people so much so that they were able to create a really strong group of employee ambassadors. And that is like the best employment branding is when it comes from employees rather than your marketing, HR leaders in the organization is when it's coming from actual frontline employees and they're the ones bragging about working there. You know, you've got a solid employee value proposition and a solid culture. And so as a result of this work, they saw a 40% increase in their engagement scores, but they also saw some bottom line results. They saw customer satisfaction scores and their market share rise by 30%. And we, we were kind of measuring along the way after doing the work with them, the direct impacts of that. Another example was a Canadian home builder company that was expanding into the US market. They had very little, I mean, Canadian companies, when they go into the US, it's like, whoa, this market is 10 hundred times bigger. <laughs> and so brand awareness is a real big challenge and they needed to develop a solution to articulate why their organization was a great place to work. And so they completely redesigned their HR strategy also to align with their EVP. And to give you some examples of what that looks like, it means that they redesigned their leadership training. They redesigned their onboarding program around it. They redesigned all of their internal communication processes. They redesigned their recognition programs. And within 12 months, they saw an 80% increase in awareness and preference from candidates. And they've won several culture awards. They're recognized as the best place to work. They've received a top employer award every single year since we launched the project with them. That is not something you see very common in a construction sector. <laughs> you know, so they they were really able to stand out in that particular sector. And as I said, earlier, it doesn't matter what sector, it doesn't matter what services or products you're offering, you can build culture anywhere. The last one I'll say is an example that we haven't had a chance to work with, but I'm a big fan. And I think they do a great job of employment branding, at least from an external perspective. And that's HubSpot. It's a CRM platform. And they designed this awesome culture manifesto. And it's not only for their internal employees, they made it available for external employees. You can go on their LinkedIn page and actually download it. And I think it's a really good example of how deliberately they're calling out the value they provide and, and what their culture means. It's a good example of, at least from an external outsider perspective of a great employer brand. I'm glad you tied that back into what you said before. Previously, you had said a lot of companies are starting to understand that the employee culture does create 
profits. It does contribute to the bottom line. And that's why some companies are doing it. So I'm glad that you tied that back in with your first example. I have to give Al credit here because as you were talking about the three-pronged approach there, you know, learn. And you would say, go back and find out what's important to your employees and why do they like coming to work for you? And a couple of weeks, maybe it was just before the holidays, I don't know, but Al came into a partner's meeting and he brought that up. He said, I want to talk to the team. I don't want to see what's important to you. Like, why do you come to work? And we started asking those questions and I was amazed at the answers we got back and stuff that I hadn't thought of. So, I mean, we're this far and I'm, for those who are just listening, I'm, you know, I'm making a, a sign of a very little amount. We're, we're barely scratching the surface. And I've never heard that term before the learn, discern, sorry, what was the third part? And return. Learn, return and return. return. You got it, yeah. That is fantastic. I mean, we're going to have to talk to you offline more about that. This is why we do this series and this podcast, because again, we're just on the first part there, but I think there's so much value in doing that. You know, something that comes up often when we do this research, we conduct focus groups, we do interviews, we run surveys, and oftentimes the leadership teams we're working with kind of have an idea of what's going to come out of that research. But every single time we present the findings, it's not exactly what, but it's how employees have articulated it. And there's something always transformative that happens for leaders. You know, it's like when you can't see your own nose, what's that that saying? <laughs> it's like, you think you're so aware of your own organization, but when you hear it from the perspective of others, it gives you this perspective that is actually really inspiring to think about your work in a different way from your people. And to be honest, one of the most gratifying parts of this work that I do is seeing how it not only transforms the culture, but actually it's a process of transforming leaders. It's how they're seeing themselves differently. It's how they're seeing their organizations and their people differently. And that's one of the amazing things that comes out of the insights and research when you actually just listen. Sorry, you you talk less and you listen more. And I always find that there's some elements that are validating their hypotheses about their culture and what, what employees value or what some of the issues are. But there's always insight that comes from them that they would have never been able to come up with or articulate that resonates even better than they would have been able to come up with themselves. Yeah, that makes sense to me because even the little bit of work that we've done down that road has opened my eyes to things that I I never would have considered if we hadn't said, let's start asking those questions. So I do give credit to Al. And speaking of Al, Al has this signature question. I've loved it from the day he asked me if, you know, can we put it on the podcast? And we've asked so many people and just got such fantastic answers. And I, and I love just hearing the answers to what's important to them. So if you're up for it, Al will uh, fire away. All right, here we go. So there's a saying that goes, a society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? I love that question. So it makes me think about the future. And in my line of work, when I think about the future, it's specifically how are we going to think about work differently? What is work going to look like in the future? And Robin and Al, I'm going to blow your mind in a minute. Did you know the average person will spend 90,000 hours of their life at work? That's the equivalent to working 24-7 for 10 years straight. So next to sleeping, this is the second most time-consuming thing in your life. And so from that perspective, 
work cannot be a place that's just about getting a paycheck. So our time at work is so important, so valuable, and we have to ensure that we ourselves are getting meaningful value out of our time. And one of the reasons that I got into the business of organizational development, organizational behavior, leadership, employment branding, it's because I've been really lucky to have worked with incredible cultures and amazing leaders, but I've also worked as a consultant and an HR practitioner as well. And I've seen what toxic cultures look like and what toxic leaders look like. And so I'm particularly passionate about this right now at this point in time, because we are in this pivotal moment when people are reevaluating their relationship with work. And there is this huge opportunity for leaders to redefine how they think about work, how their people think about work, and to create a place where people can build confidence, discover their strengths, deepen their personal sense of purpose, grow their capabilities. And it always creates a win-win outcome because that's what the research has shown as we talked about. Companies' performance increases when these conditions are, are present in its culture. That's my hope for how people feel when they talk about their work in the future. Well, I'm not sure that I'm thrilled that you gave me that number. <laughs> I know I knew it had it, to be big. Isn't it wild? <laughs> that is crazy. 10 um, years. That's on average. As you said, it'll be the second biggest number of how we spend our time, right? I've been fortunate. I think I can say that I've never been in a toxic work environment. That's for sure. And I've I've never really understood why people, if they were in that environment, would continue to do it, especially knowing that it does take up such a big part of your life. Compared to when I look back at, you know, when I was younger and the emphasis now on, like we've talked about today, employee culture, making the whole work experience uh, more positive for everyone. I think we're heading in the right direction. And I hope, Al, for our part, because generally we do record these podcasts during work hours, hopefully for our part, for taking at least one of those hours or 45 minutes or whatever it happens to be, and hopefully creating not only value for ourselves because we build relationships and we learn things every single time, but hopefully for our guest as well. And then ultimately for the end user, which is the audience, hopefully everybody gets something out of it. Alex, this has been so much better than I thought it would be. And I thought it was going to be a great conversation. I'm just, <laughs> I'm so impressed. I have things to say to you after this podcast and uh, recommendations for you because uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and I hope we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Blue Ivy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the best way is probably just to look me up on LinkedIn, send me a message. I'll accept your invite. And for those you know that are interested in actually engaging in some employment branding and culture work with us at Blue Ivy, we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. But I'm always just happy to kind of share content, share best practices whenever I can with people too. So LinkedIn would be the best place. It's just Alex Mears. Okay, that's great. And before I forget, we met through Rich Appia, correct? That's right. I yep. think so. So Rich, if you're, well, I know Rich is listening. He's always listening. So Rich, thank you so much for the introduction. I appreciate you so much. That does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation as always. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation. And always, always, always remember success leaves clues, my friends. Mm -hmm.